Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend James of FolkConjure.com in North Carolina, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjureman of ConjuremanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we welcome a special guest, Brother Christopher of RuneWorker.com in California, bringing us today's topic on bottle and jar spells. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices as hoodoo, conjure, and root work as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Man. Miss Cat. Hi. Uh, well, first of all, before we catch up with me, let's catch up with you. How are, how are things in your world? Well, anybody that's been listening to the show consistently knows that we have been working on putting our houses together. We're finally coming to the nearing the end of that, and I'm able to start working on uh, the websites again, our own websites, adding new products, um, working on the Crystal Silence League, things like that. Uh, we're, hoping, we're hoping to add some uh, crystals to our website here soon, uh, not just Crystal Spears, but uh, mainly different kinds of uh, shapes and sizes, like um, spirals and fires and palm stones, etc. Uh, so that's that's what we're up to. We just received two boxes of crystals. Oh wow! How wonderful! That's great. Um, nice to hear it. Well, things here have been a little chaotic. First of all, those of you who were listening to the show last week remembered that Blog Talk Radio was having a little meltdown, and the best we could get from them explaining what was going on was that that their devs were working on it. And every time I see people talk about their devs, I think, you know, is that kind of like neutral for Deva and Devi? You know, they have their gods and goddesses working on it. Our devs are working on it. Okay, then. It might be um, devils. <laughs> they might be their devils. That's true. Their devils are working on it. So, um, yeah, so we think we may be recording this week. We lost last week's show, and it's the first time we've lost a show probably since the 2010s. And um, mm-hmm. so, sad but true, it didn't did not record. I think we might have gotten a little bit of it recorded or a little bit of the chat. I'm not really sure. There was some well, partial. Um, Reverend James got part of it on the phone. That's and, right. Um, yeah, Doctor Sweet says overpaid divas and devos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and devos with an e also. Um, so yeah, so. Um, 
things are maybe looking better with Blog Talk Radio, we hope. In any case, Reverend James is recording a backup in progress now. And he said, we have 50 minutes of last week's episode. Um, It took me too long to figure it out. Oh, James, (laughs) uh, all praise, no blame. Did you figure it out at all? It was great. (laughs) Yeah. So um, things here, let's see. I've been working at CandleMinistry.com with Shiloh. And first, a shout out to Shiloh for the chocolate-covered almonds, which I'm not eating now because I'd be crunching, but I she gave them to me in a little cup to take home for my dessert, which uh-huh. is so sweet of her. <laughs> and um, uh, Bailey and Heidi and Nikki are holding down the shop. We've had lots of walk-in customers today, but we are working very hard on candle ministry. Right now we're in a candle labeling mode and sorting and sifting uh, through the candles that need to be read. And we're making wonderful progress. And thanks also to Summer Burks and Colleen Kelly for doing candle readings at a rapid rate. It's so wonderful to know there's a direct feedback. When we send out the candle readings faster, we get more orders. <laughs> so everyone, we <laughs> believe it or not, since we found we were in a crisis, and Summer Burks came in to read candles for us. She she used to work here, and she moved, and she came to visit, and we said, help, and she just home with her and read them. And the direct feedback is our candle orders have exactly doubled. <laughs> so I'm a happy camper. The thing is, you have to give the customers what they want when they want it. And mm. so... We are we're probably down right now about um, 25 boxes of candles unread, down from 95 boxes unread when Summer stepped in and helped Colleen. Wow. So things are going well with that. Um, I also have something um, I'd like to talk about with Conjurman, which is the astrology of this week which is mm. unusually creepy and and I you know you, you all know me I always go on the astrology is really creepy this week it's kind <laughs> of a running theme I this is like really creepy because it's like have fun it's so creepy so um, I'm just going to throw this out right now we have a grand trine. That means three planets in perfect harmony, unity, tranquility, mutual aid. And those planets are Mars, which is the planet of war and metal and destruction. And then it's trine Pluto, the planet of death and radioactivity and pollution. And it's trine Uranus, the planet of technology. We can fix anything for you. All three of these are trying. Uranus is then trying Mars. See, we can fix anything with technology. And right down the middle of this equilateral triangle is Mars opposed to Neptune. Neptune, the ocean. And Mm. Neptune is therefore sextile to Pluto and sextile to Uranus. And this makes what's called a kite pattern. It just looks like an old-fashioned kite. And so Pluto is sextile Neptune. Hi, ocean, I can help you have some pollution. It'll be good for you. And Uranus is saying to Neptune, fixed, there will be no pollution. 
your ocean will be just fine. And what's happening is this week they're releasing the diluted radioactive waters from Fukushima nuclear reactor, which they've been storing since it went meltdown in uh, 2011, I think it was. Yeah, they're going to be releasing it. It's all been approved. The International Association of Radioactive Whatever say, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be so diluted. But watch out for tritium. Just let me tell you, watch out for tritium. This is not going to be good. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. will be very Mm -hmm. bad. Um, And the cancers will appear in years to come. This is all supposedly wonderful, but the real problem is that Mars opposed to Neptune. Mars opposed to Neptune also can mean exploding ammunition dumps. <laughs> you know, mm. it can be um, or exploding oil refineries because Neptune rules all kinds of liquids, including oil. And so Mars opposed to Neptune can mean drone strikes on refineries or oil fields as well as fucking up the ocean. So we are in the midst of something that everyone is saying is very, very good, but there's a there's a real spine of difficult trouble down the middle. So that was that's how things are with me. What do you think, Contraband? How are things with you? Then things are going. Uh, they're going. I'm gonna say they're going well, but they're going. I didn't notice the Grand Trine actually until you mentioned it. Uh, I don't look at Trine, the Grand Trines that often, so I was very, I was like, oh wow, the symbolism really lines up as we were chatting right before the the uh, radio show. Uh, it is incredibly surprising. And of course, Mercury is conjunct that Mars, and so that's that's right there. Oh yes, going, I, did I forget haywire. to mention that? I sure did. Yeah, yes, and Mercury conjunct haywire. the Mars. Is like the media says, go, all is go, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. It's it's definitely, and you know, it's not just the astrological weather. The weather itself is, is you know, bad. Uh, between the the fires that have happened in Maui and in Canada, I mean, there's massive fires going on. Maui's been completely wiped out. Canada is now facing massive fires. Uh, and of course, in Southern California, we're facing like one of the first real major hurricanes since like the 1930s. Right. So that's Mars opposed to Neptune too. Right. You see? Right. You're either at, you're either in the wildfires or you're the ocean is right. you know and tropical then, storm. And, it's crazy. It's a crazy right. chart. It is. And then you've got that Saturn retrograde in Pisces, which is like floods and mudslides. Uh, so like you can <laughs> you can expect. I mean, they've already had mudslides in Boston. California. I hope we don't have any in Southern California, but we were not really prepared for this level of rain because we're like always in a drought. We're always in a drought. Uh, and what people don't know is that whenever there's like a, a drought and then a sudden rainfall, that actually causes mudslides. And the same thing with fires, right? If there's mm-hmm. fires and sudden rains, it actually causes mudslides. And people don't realize just how susceptible we are to mudslides, and that's very much Saturn and, and Pisces. So we'll see how it all goes. But if you're in Southern California or in Maui or in Canada, hunker down in solidarity with all of you. Yeah, it's 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 water and fire in opposition to each other. Water and fire and poisoning of that water with that. that and poisoning and really, pollution. Ooh. Yeah, it's oh. really, it's really, really ugly. Plus which... And Venus is retrograde. No love for yeah. you tonight, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's this is... definitely been a funky Venus retrograde, hasn't it? 
It's it, it's a wild ride. You predicted this would be a really funky Venus retrograde. They happen, yes. but this one, wow! And I'm just yes. uh, I'm just looking at this chart. I'm going to tell you, somebody born on this day would have a hard life. Somebody it born today, difficult. it would be a very difficult life for them. Just not to make a joke out of it. That's a that's a bad. It's a chart. They'll survive. That triangle says it'll all be good. But there's really they may get burned and they may get flooded. You know. Really difficult, difficult, difficult chart. Okay. Yeah. Um, righty. Oh, shout out to Cousin Joshua. Um, I am smelling this beautiful rose soap. Thank you. Um, <laughs> he's in the in the chat. I um, yeah. I'm telling you. All right. Well, let's. <laughs> and and we have here a a show ready on bottle and jar spells. And so we're going to jump into that. So first thing we're going to do is say hello to Brother Christopher. Welcome. Hi, 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 hi. Welcome to the show. It's, we're fine. You can tell we're we're kind of looking at the at the sky in amazement right now. Um, yeah. How are things? You're Brother Christopher. You're in Southern California, around Los Angeles, Long Beach, somewhere in there. Yeah, in Long Beach. Long it, Beach. It's been raining. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, raining. other than yesterday, people were panic shopping, and there's been photos of really? long lines at supermarkets of oh, people wow. buying supplies. And but every like, I just kept kept checking the National Weather Service, and they kept saying that. At least for Long Beach, like there's not gonna really going to be any high winds. There could be, but mm-hmm. the predictions were still like 12 miles per hour. And I was like, well, Friday it was like 10 miles per hour. So wow. that's not all that dangerous. So and how, it's, it's how, about in, how about in Orange County where you, where you are, Conjurman? I mean, it's raining pretty hard where I'm at. Uh, I'm a little bit... Uh, I mean, it's technically supposed to pass Long Beach and Orange County and head more towards Palm um, uh, Palm Spring and Nevada. Yeah. Uh, Basically, but, so it's, it's going to go – if you – yeah, if you drew a line between, you know, Lancaster and Yucca Valley, it's going to be all through in there. Flash floods yeah. is what they're but saying. It's also, it also hasn't technically arrived yet. These are the edges. No, it, it hasn't. Arrives, can, it arrives tonight. Yeah. And uh, so anybody who's in a praying mood, say a prayer for Four Altars Chapel. Because yes. they are, We're if you look at the yeah. map, the uh, we've been following the best maps for some reason are in the OC register. I don't know why. Mm. They just got somebody who does good maps there. Um, and Victorville is also in the flash flood zone. And that would be where Lady Muse is, House of Self-Empowerment. And so... But in particular, Four Altars is near a wash. In fact, mm. uh, uh, Deacon Millet bought some of that land in that wash to keep it from being developed because it's dangerous to build houses on it because, hey, it's a wash, right? And if you're not from the West, you don't know what a wash is. It's a, a piece of dry land that flash floods will come through in seven-foot walls of muddy water every once in a while. <laughs> so oh, dear. He he bought some of that land to protect it from people crazy stupid building on it, and but that 
um, it has come wa- floods, flash floods in this in the desert are possible. Uh, the mm-hmm. the ground mm-hmm. just can't soak up anymore, and the water just whooshes around. So yeah. um, so keep keep um, Deacon Millet, four altars, Lady Muse, and House of Self Empowerment up in your prayers. I don't think it's going to be horrible. I think it's going to I think it's going to you know um, the winds will get slower the rain will get a little less intense that's my my prayer and hope but you know you never know with the weather up here where we are it's been dark cloudy all day and i mean dark cloudy Mm. not not just the old you know summer overcast with white clouds these are dark gray clouds but but uh, just a tiny drizzle and then nothing no no real rain it's very humid very weird um very unnormal looking sky for August, but the beautiful Amaryllis, Belladonna, the naked ladies in full bloom—they don't care. <laughs> They've got their own <laughs> time. Happy. Walk, you know, they're yeah, they're pretty happy actually. So, yeah, all right. Well, so brother Christopher, let's get into bottles and jar spells. Okay. We 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 know a lot about them uh, and um. And there's already um, posting going on. If y'all listen to this just on the radio, you might want to go into the forum and look at the chat for the show, which will be up after the show. But I'm just going to give you a little taste. Shiva has been busily posting a 2019 show with John St. Germain on container spells, a 2018 show with Papa Newt on jar and bottle spells, an online class with Miss Cat, that's me, on Bottle Up and Go, a book I wrote, forum questions and answers on container spells, it's a thread, forum questions and answers on vinegar jars, forum questions and answers on ammonia jars, forum questions and answers on honey jars, the book Bottle Up and Go by Catherine Ironwood and Lara Rivera, questions and answers on the book, and the book Hoodoo Honey and Sugar Spells, by Deacon Millet, which contains all kinds of honey and sugar spells, but also including honey and uh, sugar spells in jars. So now you've got a nice reading list, um, and that will help you get a background to this. If you're new, and we know this, people tune into this show, have no idea how long we've been on the air, and they go, Oh my God! I've never heard of bottle spells before. Tell me all about them. And so now we're going to turn it over to Brother Christopher, and he's going to start us out. Bottles and jar spells. Take it away. Well, the reason that caused me to choose bottles and jars spells specifically is they appear to be the hot ticket for people right now out there in the United States and the greater world. Everybody wants a bottle spell, a jar spell. They're doing jar spells for everything. There's memes about, you know, put these things in a jar and, and you'll, and it's a money jar, it's a love jar. And a lot of these things are very um, eclectic or they have ingredients that I'm just like, this, this doesn't, this is illogical to me, like what you're putting in there to achieve your goal. Or they try to put everything they can in order to get everything out of one little bottle or jar spell. And so I was just like, well, you know, I know there's this great book you have, Bottle Up and Go, and I love it, 
I forget when I bought my copy exactly, but it's been a great resource for me. Um, and just I keep seeing people say, oh, I made this jar spell, and, and I put in ground-in eggshell and cinnamon and rosemary and sage and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, <laughs> where are you people getting your spells from? Like, this, you know, it's all over the place. So, it's a little childish. Yeah. I, I hate to say it. It is a little childish, um, especially when they pay, play with, um, you know, what I call kitchen stuff. We had a post in the forum, Lucky Mojo forum, just recently. Someone said, "Can I use hot honey? It's all the new thing, hot honey." And I, re- I thought by hot honey they meant like, you know, put it in a double boiler. You know what I mean? Um, so I wrote, "No, hot." You know, you can warm up honey, but why would you want hot honey? And I went about why honey crystallizes and it's good for sepals. It seals them. If You know, you can always warm them again if you feel they're not moving anymore. But a sealed spell where the honey has locked in and crystallized is a is a completed perfect spell. And you can also use the honey, the crystallized honey in cooking very easily. And you can use the liquid honey in cooking if you want to or to sweeten uh, drinks. Or you can have sugar. And this person wrote back, no, hot honey, it means with chili peppers in it. I want to put chili peppers in my honey. And I'm like, no, that would be really weird. And JD got there first and said, no, chili peppers are to drive people away from you and make them really have painful diseases and maybe die and leave town. And it's really not happy. And why would you put that in a honey spell? And I wrote, some stuff on that too saying you know this is you got to think these things through folks and mm-hmm. th- th- there's just i mean uh, you got to think i mean sure you can make jam with with chili peppers i've seen chili pepper jam and chili pepper honey that's fine but that's not a magic spell that's a, a little cooking fad you know, and, you know, about one-fourth of the people who get really invested in it will end up with gastric reflux anyway. They, they won't be able to take it, and they'll say, I can't eat chilies anymore. It, it eventually will make a toll on some people. Some people will love it all their lives, so some people will say, nope, that really wrecked my esophagus. So be careful when you put eating a lot of chilies. I mean, I'm just saying, some people can and some people can't. It's genetic. It's not a question of endurance. But putting hot red peppers into a honey spell, you know, people call the shop and they say, well, I notice you have these honey spells for money, and I notice you have a honey spell for success. We make these spell kits, you know. I notice you have a honey spell kit, you know, for uh, attraction. How come you don't have a honey spell kit for doom? (laughs) It's a real question. I mean, like, why would you want to honey somebody to destroy them? But yeah. uh, uh, okay, yeah. And and something else that you mentioned is also I see relegated. You talked about how a honey jar will seal itself when the honey crystallizes inside the jar. Mm-hmm. And specifically, a lot of people talk about needing to seal their spell jars. And they do that by pouring wax all over it. Pouring wax? You mean rather than just letting wax drip from a candle or something? Yeah. 
I mean, they'll also just light a candle and drip the wax off the candle. They're not burning the candle on the jar. They're literally just using the candle to run wax all over the lid of the jar and to cover it in wax because somewhere out there in the Internet or something, somebody told them that this is how you have to seal the spell jar. And, and, I'm, and I keep wow. telling people, like, you don't need to seal spell jars. That, that, like, if you're going to use wax to seal a jar, that's a completely different thing which right. you don't need to do. But, and, right. You could the the implication would be very old. If you used a, a bottle with a cork, it's very common to seal that with wax because it's kind of permeable. Yeah. Um but you you know, but and you wouldn't usually burn a candle on a cork because hey, it might catch on fire but you would just melt a little wax and dip the cork, you know, like a wine bottle used to be done, you know. That's that's cool, but nowadays most people have screw top lid jars and and, and bottles anyway. Um, so, yeah, you could you could do it that way. It's like tying up a packet or something with string. I mean, you know, there's mm-hmm. reasons to do it, but I like if it's honey. I like to if it doesn't crystallize, and I need to explain here. Some honey will never crystallize. Some honey will crystallize very quickly, and it just yeah. depends on the species of nectar that it comes from, the humidity, the whatever. Um, there are people who've called us up for years. We get these calls. My honey has gotten all moldy, and and um, and, and, and and it won't work anymore. What did I did wrong? I'm like, How did your honey get moldy? I don't know. There's all this white, and it's like growing every day. There's more white, and I'm like, is it crystallizing? I don't know. What's crystallizing? <laughs> <laughs> but they think it's molding because it because crystallized honey is white-ish, not not yeah. white, but white-ish. The, the sugar crystals sort of inside the honey hmm? forming yeah. crystalline structures. Hmm. And all you yes. have to do, the funny thing is, most people don't know, you just have to warm up the honey, and that's kind of it. <laughs> Pretty right. Easy. If you, you, if you warm it up, that's right. If you warm it up in a water bath, it'll uncrystallize, and it'll revert to being liquid again. Uh, we have honey from, from ancient Egypt. That's still good. <laughs> That's right. You can, you can, honey never wow, goes bad. Another, you know, honey is honey. It's it's a natural preservative. It's a it's a miracle substance. The it other is. thing, speaking of stupid honey and spells, are people who want to get. They think, well, if a little, you know, half pint honey jar is good, well, I'll just get a gallon of honey. And I think, what a conspicuous consumption. What a waste. Of all the work of all those bees, and bees are getting to be endangered and are in trouble all around the world due to pesticides and and um, climate change and all that stuff. Why would you want to use a gallon jar of honey? But I've seen people post it. I've, Here's my gallon jar of honey. Okay, that's like saying you know I've got six Cadillacs in my garage. Okay, good, bully for you, good for you. But you know you only need one car to drive. And so I try and you to don't use need a, a gallon-sized honey jar to sweeten people. In, no, uh, no. Even uh, a little, a you know, I've done a I've done a sweetening spell on somebody with a piece of chewing gum, for God's sake, right? Mm. And I mean, I mean, and that's a, <laughs> and that's an important point too. Is like when we talk sweetening spells, and then we don't want to get 
get too far off topic of, from bottle spells, but there are a variety of different sweetening you can use. It's not just honey. People use sugar jars. Caro is really common where where I come from. Caro is used quite frequently. Put some of the name in some caro syrup. Uh, that was mm-hmm. that was pretty old school. Or using a ring of it. But jar spell. But that also speaks to the way that jars and bottles are used. They come in so many different varieties and shapes. You've got honey jars. You've got the caro bottles because. Well, the caro doesn't always come in a jar. It sometimes comes in like a bottle form. Even even mm-hmm. syrup has been used, and they have like the Aunt Jemima syrup. You have the glass syrup, which is like what maple comes in. So there are all these different shapes, these different uh, containers, as well as these different types of sweeteners are ways that you can work, and they have nuances to them. They have slight differences to them. In the same way that a jar with a cork is going to be slightly different than a jar with a lid, a jar that you seal versus a jar that you open up, these all have differences, and those differences lend to the type of spell work and magical work that you do. If, for example, you seal your jar with wax, that has one meaning, versus if you you have a jar that you are going to open frequently. Those are two completely different ways of working, and both are valid. Right. You would open it in order to use the sweetener, maybe top it up with some more, use it in cooking, and give it to the person who you want to sweeten to eat the food product you made with the sweetener. And I just want to put a shout-out to those maple leaf-shaped maple syrup jars. You find them in fancy little gourmet places. They're small, and they're so, so cute, especially if you want to fall in love with a Canadian. I, love that. I heard a laugh from across. I heard a laugh from across the hall, but not on air. I was laughing, but I was muted. But it's like that's a fantastic. I love that. Get to their little maple heart. Get to their little maple heart with a nice Canadian jar of maple syrup. That's fantastic. Yeah, and get one of those Canadian maple leaf coins, and um, put it under it and make a talisman. Why not? Oh, right, or uh, the different types of bo- I mean, uh, different types of bottles that you use. Right, if you use a hot sauce bottle, right, mm-hmm. there are uh, bottles that are shaped in the form of peppers, and if you fill that up with hot sauce oh. and peppers, is that a good way of working a hot foot or a good way of working a crossing jar? Totally. So the container itself is very magical. It's not just a, a, a receptacle that holds materials, but it, it means something, right? There's a reason why we use blue glass for protection. There's a reason why we use medicine bottles. These things all have a particular purpose, just as the different types of sweetening and sugars have uh, particular purposes or nuances to them. And and remember those little skull jars. Yes. yes. Oh, skull yeah. bottles that you the, get the for alcohol. Skull vodka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and those those are wonderful, and you can use them for any kind of work on someone's mind, just like you would a skull candle. They come in yep. different colors. They come with different kinds of caps or droppers. They're yep. they're skull, you know. What makes polished. those so great is that you can really just put oil right into them. Like you could oh, put yeah. influence oil right into it. You don't need to oil the outside. Just pour it right into the bottle, right? Pour your influence oil right. in there with the tissue paper. What I really love about those bottles is that you can work them in addition to like 
these are these are generally vodka, sometimes tequila bottles you can find as well that uh, come in the form of a skull. You can work them the exact same way as a skull candle. You fix the bottle in the jar with all your materials, with the person's personal concerns, with their name paper. You can stick a candle right into the into the top of it and burn a candle onto it. I have even made them into oil containers so that I can make them as oil lamps. You fill it mm-hmm. up and then you place a wick on it. You can use a floating wick or you can make a homemade wick. You just have to make sure that the oil gets soaked up into that wick and you light it and it will go. You just keep topping it off with oil and now you have, rather than a skull candle that burns down, a permanent oil lamp shaped in the form of a, a skull. So you have a mixture of a bottle spell and oil lamp together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, another kind of um, thing I'd like to mention are these old-fashioned cross-shaped holy water bottles. I haven't Mm. been able to find them in years, but you can find used ones on eBay. And they are shaped like a cross, and they were made Mm -hmm. for holding holy water. And they can be used for anything that would be sacramental. You certainly would not want to use them for... Um, honey or something thick that would get all gupped up in them. They're usually for water. Um, there's a a lot of bottles, um, bo- a lot of shaped bottles that people use. You know, when we think of things like perfume coming in fancy bottles, mm. I've seen um, empty bottles. Now the ones that are very tiny hole, they're little perfume bottles with a tiny tiny hole, very hard to reuse. But the next bigger sizes of like what cologne might have come in, you'll find all kinds of interesting bottles. I have bottles in the shape of little women in dresses, and their you know little cap would be there, like where their hat would be. I have bottles in the shape of, of a car. They were made by Avon, and they're brown glass. I have bottles in the shape of pistols, and I did a I did a, a Patreon page, which later became available to the public, on shooting a glass pistol. And this is really, it's not a glass pistol. It's a pistol-shaped whiskey bottle. And it looks like a revolver. And so these are things you can find. um, And imagine making a bottle spell for someone who you really hated and filling that uh, pistol bottle with some really nasty stuff and then aiming it and metaphorically shooting it at that person. Those are, mm. um, yeah. And um, the the car cologne from Avon is really great. What if you want to drive someone out of town? Maybe you want a new car for yourself. Whatever you put into it, you will be getting, you see? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm. Yeah, I love that. We're taking the shape of the bottle into consideration matters, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any of these things. And it also reminds us that container spells and bottle spells really can be anything. That they don't always have to look like a bottle or a jar. That these container spells are pretty expensive and that people have made container spells out of chamber pots. That people have made container spells out of whiskey bottles, or out of the crown whiskey bottle for uh, victory and success and and, and that moving ahead and, and wealth and that luxury, all like so. When you think expansively, when it comes to containers, your spell work becomes even more creative. Mhm, mhm. Uh oh, that's a weird sound. I that wonder what that is. 
That's the hurricane. It's just overwhelmed. The flash floods at BTR. <laughs> it's happening. Um, <laughs> Blog Talk Radio is being flooded. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm looking up here, pistol whiskey gun decanter and pistol shot glasses. They make them in still um, in all types. Um, interesting to see. Mm. The one I have is a very old-fashioned revolver, but some of these are like Lugers. <laughs> so oh, there you oh, go. Wow. Yeah. It's just interesting. Yeah, they're they're oh. really really fun. Mm-hmm. Cousin Joshua Ask the question if um, y'all ever use bottles or containers because of their provenance or history. And I once did a bottle sell to sweeten somebody because it was the beverage they bought when we went out on a date and they drank from it, like put their mouth, mm. lips drank from the bottle. And so I kept the bottle and put and used that to build um, a sweetener spell to put them into it along with their name since it was something that they had already drank from. And that actually worked really well. And mm. I know somebody who used the bottle of whiskey that their target, that their their family member drank from, or last drank from, the little flask that he had bought, and they used that to do a souring spell to get him to stop being an alcoholic. Wow. That's mm. cool. That's because really cool. he didn't cool. empty the whiskey bottle completely, so there was still some whiskey left behind. And, of course, he'd been sipping directly from it, so they just filled it up with vinegar and other stuff to sour the whiskey. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. If you're a root worker that does any type of professional work or any type of root worker that does a lot of this type of work, you have a collection. You have a collection of bottles and jars of all sorts. And I think oh, all yeah. three of us, yeah, yeah, like you can open up our cabinets. You can. I have a cabinet just full of random bottles and jars. You've got your classic mason jars. You have corked bottles that have corks in them that are really useful to use. Um, I'm a. Can I just put a, a little bit of a shout out to old school soda bottles? I love those old school glass soda bottles or pop bottles. They are really really good for any type of container spell or magic, and then sort of novelty items, items that involve different shapes that, that are in the form of skulls or pistols or whatnot. We, we all have different collections, and they all mean, and they can be used for a variety of different reasons. So I'll mention one of the ways that I work with corked bottle spells is that the cork is really easy to stick things through. So in a bottle spell, sometimes you'll put pins in the bottle itself to harm a person, to drive them away, to do hot footwork, crossing work. But sometimes if you really want to prick them, what you can do is create a souring jar or a hot foot jar and then stick the pins through the cork so that they're actually driven down. And then you can shake it up that way so that it's always sort of being stabbed when you're shaking up that jaw. This can also be done in sort of coercive love spells. You're a little bit more gentle, but you stick, for example, one to three pins through the cork and then flip the jar, the bottle upside down and flip it back upright, just very gently giving them a prick. And it's a little bit more of a coercive love spell. The more aggressive it is, the more hot pretty crossing it can be. So corks can be used in that way where you can stick things through the cork in order to influence what is inside the bottle. Ah. Very nice. 
All right. There's, see, the thing about container spills is that there are so many traditional ways to do container spills that these silly little childish ways don't really um, stand up. Live up you to know. it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, um, you know, I really like what you mentioned before about the provenance of a container. People say, well, um, I'm working with this paper soda cup that this person drank out of. I don't know. It doesn't move me. But if it really is a container that they drank out of um, and, it, and it can be sealed, I think that's a very important uh, artifact of that person to to use you if it has a wide enough mouth or if you can work small enough make a little doll of that person and put it in the bottle so that you're um, kind of solidifying the connection or maybe their photo just roll it up really fine into a little tube and then drop it down into the bottle that they drank from it's mm-hmm. a good way to work mm-hmm. and um it is definitely a tradition to use such bottles to cure people of alcoholism by putting into it things that are anti-alcoholic. But it also can be used as a way to make love happen between two people. And another thing it can be done is to cause people to have kidney or bladder problems. Um, uh, even to this day, with indoor plumbing everywhere, you'll still find people drunk enough to pee into a beer bottle. If mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I've I've seen it. Have you all seen it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I've seen it. Um, that beer bottle with their pee in it is a good way to wipe out <laughs> their ability to urinate. And you put in some red peppers. You put in some black peppers. You can put in some you know, alum. Spanish moss. <laughs> Spanish moss. A, a, a nail, right? And um, and bottle them up, and they will be going to the ER because they can't pee no more. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> bottle spills can if, also go if, in the If someone needs that... <laughs> But you see, yeah, that's not the kind of thing. That's not the kind of thing that people put on TikTok. They're like, "What?" <laughs> no, no, they no. they don't understand that um, container spells go back so so far. Um, there are container spells from classical times. From yep, I was just. Who did you, you were just going to well, me? and I was just giving you your lead in, Conjurman. Go ahead. You definitely, you hoodoo psychic me. <laughs> Perfect. No, 100% true. This is some of the oldest spells we can find are actually container spells from the classical period, from the ancient Near East. Uh, we have jars, little jars that have uh, made out of clay, and things were placed inside of them and then sealed, and they served no other function other than they were some type of ritualistic practice, some type of magical practice. And this, is, and this has been passed down. We know that, for example, protective uh, jars were used in ancient Rome and ancient Greece. We know cursed jars certainly were where you would put an object of the person or you would put a literal figural representation of the person. One of the most famous ones comes from Egypt in which uh, the image of Typhon or Typhoon, the monster, the Greek monster, is placed in the jar with the image of the person you want to curse. The jar is then sealed and placed near water or in a cemetery or in a well. 
and that is to bring the monster and destruction upon that person. But they're also protective. They can also be a way of keeping yourself safe, and that's slightly different from the jar spell Miss Cat gave you. But you can find it, for example, in Latin American traditions, these little medicinal bottles that are created as protective and lucky charms that you would keep in your home or on your persons, and it would keep you safe and bring you fortune and luck, in which various lucky items, like five, uh, the lucky hand is placed in there, lucky beans are placed in there. And they're kept in these small little medicine jars. You can make them larger, of course. I've made one of these protective jars using, using blue bottles. In fact, one of these uh, spirit vessel workshops I gave at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival is around mm-hmm. these blue, blue bottle spells about how to keep yourself safe. And we find similar sort of witch bottles in Northern Europe, particularly in England, in which lemons and, and uh, nails are placed within a jar and then the jar is hidden either in a tree or in someone's uh, chimney to keep them safe from harm. So just as you can hurt someone with a bottle spell, just as you can sweeten someone with a bottle spell, they can also be used to protect yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. And um, uh, while we're putting up a bibliography of references, Nagashiva put up a reference to that article on spirit bottles that Conjurer mm-hmm. wrote um, and that I think appeared in the black folder. Is that correct? I believe so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that these are these are important ways to work. We'll have that blue bottle tree um, on our lawn, and um, it's still there uh, from when you did that workshop. And that also brings up um, you mentioned medicine bottles before, Conjurman. Um yes. people like to use big blue wine bottles or blue water bottles. But one of the most common kinds of blue bottles that will be found in a blue bottle tree is Philips Milk of Magnesia bottles. Mm-hmm. And um, that's for protection. It's for curing. Yep. Um, so Milk of Magnesia bottles are a real old way to work. Again, if you can't find them um now I don't think they make them anymore. They probably if they make it they eBay make it is your friend. Yeah, they probably make it in plastic now. But um Yeah, I think they're all plastic now. Yeah. But just go and go and get the milk of magnesia bottles um at eBay and you will find mm-hmm. they're wonderful and you can they have a wide enough opening that you can fill them with things, then they make great witch bottles. Mm-hmm. Ah, and we have here the black folder. We have how to make and use bottle and jar spells by Cat Ironwood on page 39. Container spells in the Hoodoo tradition by Lara Rivera on page 41. How to use your honey jar spell by Catherine Ironwood on page 43. Spirit vessels and spirit traps by Conjurman on page 46. <laughs> and skull sorcery by Conjurman on page 49. Dang! <laughs> We were good back then. We still are. <laughs> Thank you, Shiva. That was a good little lesson in bibliography. If you all don't have your copy of the black folder, go out and buy it. So, all right. Well, Brother Christopher, we've talked about shapes. We've talked about provenance. We've talked about um, some history here. Um, let's talk about why would people use bottle spells or jar spells in preference to other types of spells? Do you have any ideas on that? Uh, bottle spells are more permanent. 
And so it's something that you can keep and keep working on for a long time. Whereas they mm-hmm. compared to like a mojo bag, which made out of fabric or sh- or shan- chamois, chamois, um, mm-hmm. out of leather, those things do deteriorate over time, especially if you're carrying them in your pocket or carrying them on you or having them mm-hmm. in some place where they just get rubbed and worked and then, you know, the flannel breaks or the leather breaks and then you need to make a whole new bag and put it all together again. Whereas a bottle, you know, so long as you don't drop it on a hard surface from a reasonable height, from a, from a dangerous height, you know, it'll sit there, it'll work, you can take it out, you can shake it, um, if it's got a metal lid, you can burn candles on top of it, you can, um, if it's for crossing, you can plant it somewhere where the target will walk over it or, or pass by it. Hide it in a tree, hide it in their path. Um, in older homes that are lifted up off the ground, you could hide it underneath, you know, just underneath the steps into the home um, and stuff like that. And the bottle will maintain its integrity while it's underneath there. Whereas if you were using like paper or fabric or um, like a chipboard box, cardboard box, those things decay, especially when they're exposed to water, and, you know, it rains everywhere eventually. So, but a glass bottle or maybe something even more durable, like if you wanted to use a metal bottle, um, like the alcohol flask, perchance, mm-hmm. in order to yeah. deliver a spell or carry it around for yourself if you wanted. Um, yeah, there's that. a... Th- there's a question here in the um, chat from Covet Gift 3. Do people feed jars? I'd like Covet Gift, before we answer this, to explain what you mean by feed. You mean feeding them in the sense that you would feed uh, a lodestone with magnetic sand or feed um, a mojo by giving it a little drop of whiskey or something. Is that what you mean by feed? Yes, like feeding a lodestone. Oh, that's Shiva guessing. Okay, I want to hear what Covet Gift Act 3 actually means by the word feed. Because sometimes feed means an offering to spirits. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. whichever. Like you would a hand. All right, all right. So a hand, yeah, like feeding a hand. Okay, so the answer is no. Um, you don't feed them. They are a contained world. They are contained universe. You don't have to add anything to them unless you subtract something from them. What would you subtract from them? Well, let's say you have a a court case sugar jar going and you have a lawyer and another lawyer and you have a district attorney and you have this, that, and the other. And then one of the lawyers drops out. You open it up, you take that lawyer's name out and you add another lawyer's name to it. You see? Or you might have a uh, a sugar jar or honey jar going for your your daughter's school teacher to treat her nicely. So you're going to make cookies and bring them in. And so you're going to take some sugar or honey out or maple syrup or whatever you're using, and you're going to make those cookies, and then you're going to top it back up. So you're not feeding it. You're just topping it up. Okay? So um, it's they can always be opened, and they can always be worked with. This a lot of people will put all the herbs and spices loose in the honey or sugar. I tend not to 
unless it's something really simple like cinnamon, sugar, and allspice, something that I can use to make spice cook. Because number one, sometimes an herb is toxic. But if you put it in a folded paper packet, it doesn't um, get into the sugar or honey to any measurable extent. And number two, it keeps that sugar or honey clean so that it can be used in a way that will not be visible to the person who eats the food, if someone is going to eat the food. And I usually put that packet with the herbs in it. I write the petition on that, fold it up seed packet style, and put it in the honey or sugar. But I know other people, Deacon Millet and I, we, we, we go back and forth. He goes, no, no, I like all my herbs swirling around in the honey. They're so pretty. Well, he's right, too. You know, there's not one way to do it. I would not put essential oils into honey or sugar spells if I was going to cook with them. But that brings up the question about why would you entomb honey and not use it when it's so useful in magic? You could take a scoop out of that honey and put it into a bath and make milk and honey bath, right? You can do anything with the honey or sugar that comes out of that jar. So why would you put into it something that that makes it unpleasant or inedible now, if it, if you intend to use it for a bath, sure, you could put all the essential oils you want to, and it'll just, but then you you know be fine for a bath. But you could not eat it because you can't eat essential oils; they're too strong. So really sick. Yeah, it'll make you really sick. So I would rather use the herb version, like rose honey. Um, that oh. Deacon Millet loves rose honey. He did a whole workshop with rose honey. It was so good. And you just put um, rose petals in the honey, and um, it's just wonderful. It really is lovely, and it just sort of gets that beautiful scent, and you can eat it. And some people will use um, jam instead of honey mm. because they want to be able to cook with it or eat it. You know, maybe you have a member of your family who likes to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and you got a jar mm. of jelly. Why would you use honey or sugar, some exotic, something that they never eat when you have a jar of, of jelly or jam that they eat? So you mm -hmm. take that extra jar of jam. Maybe they like strawberry jam. You know, you take that jar of strawberry jam and you put a little of this, a little of that into it in a packet. And then you take the packet out and, and let them serve themselves that prepared, prayed over, and blessed jam. They're, they mm -hmm. don't even know it. They're working on themselves. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I want to I want to mention one other thing is when Brother Christopher said, why do we use jar spells and, and bottle spells is the permanence of it. And that's a really good point. There's a, When we talk skull candle versus skull bottle, that right there should give you a hint. A skull candle burns down. A skull bottle lasts forever. In, in a lot of ways, what container spells are are a mix of mojo bags and altars. It's as if you took the best of both worlds and put them into a small, compact form. 
the same way that altars have a way of permanently changing something, of radically transforming the energies that come into your life, the same way that a mojo bag can act as an ongoing active talisman, a bottle spell can do all of that combined. And then you burn a candle on top of it, you've added candle magic. So it's an incredibly dynamic way of working, whether you're shaking it up, turning it upside down, there's all sorts of symbolism that can go with it. So for example, if you wanted to uh, sour somebody, you create a vinegar jar, a sour jar, a lemon jar. You put all of that in. You put your red peppers, your black pepper. You put your salt. You put your lemons. You put your pins in there. What can you do with that jar? You can burn black candles on top of that jar. You can shake the jar up so that the pins shred up whoever you've put in there. You can bury the jar in a cemetery to destroy and kill them. You can throw the jar in a river to drive them out. You can keep the jar behind your toilet so that it's constantly in a place of, of smelling bad, a place of, of evil odors, we'll say. You can do all of that with a jar. Hell, you can just turn the jar upside down and it'll turn their world upside down. So there's so much you can do with that jar, and it creates incredibly dynamic magic that's a that's absolutely true and i'm going to put in another word here for glass yes. this is why i have been you know the high priestess of glass jars <laughs> glass. No glass glass okay no plastic um plastic uh, degrades decays releases carcinogens fractures yeah. fragments you turns can't to burn back candles to pe- on it yeah turns back to petroleum before you know it it's just gross and no more plastic please um and glass is very permanent we still have glass beads and glass amulet tubes um from ancient egypt Mm-hmm. It's just glass. It's just so good. Yes, eventually glass kind of liquefies, you know, back to its component parts. It is not completely solid, but it's it really does last forever. Uh, metal mm-hmm. will rust, um, but aluminum is pretty solid. I mean, aluminum doesn't go anywhere fast, but it's kind of thin. Mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, we could also mention box spells. Wood yeah. tends to rot and decay. Decay. A clay bottle or box will last longer than wood. And, um, you know, just think about it. Those clay jars that they stored, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and those clay jars that they have found hordes of Roman coins in, you know, those lasted for a long time. And mm-hmm. so those are those are things to think about. Uh, ceramics, uh, which is clay glazed with glass. That's why it's called glazed, folks. It's glass. <laughs> okay. So why do they call it glazing? Because it's glass. Um, all right. That was the that was the sermon about glass. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> all right. Um, I hope you all got something um, um, about out of this. We've this is a topic all new root workers must step up to the plate and make a few mistakes and then become experts at bottle and jar spells. It's essential work, essential to hoodoo and essential to many other forms, sociocultural, historical, 
anthropological forms of magic. We didn't mention, for instance, the African use of horns. Oh, mm-hmm. well. <laughs> oh, well, another time. <laughs> um, or or right. even in Kisis, which are technically a type of vessel spell and jar spell, bottle spell as well. That's, in, in a cauldron. In a cauldron, that's right. All right, but they're, they're usually open, though. But, yeah, there, there's a whole lot going on. So we're going to get so. Let's see if that can happen now. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call one 888 4 hoodoo or visit Hoodoo Com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. Our caller is Dom Christ, calling from area code 510. Are you there? Yes, hello. Hello. Um, Hi. Dom Christ is also known as Taiga in the chat, um, and you indicated that you had no readings on this situation. Is that correct? That is true. Okay. And they write, I'd like to find out how to gain followers for a group I'm in charge of, but I need white men to join and can explain. I was an artist when I was younger, and now I'm in a spot to be tasked to recruit white men because the powers that be don't know what they like. Turning it over to you, Miss Cat. Okay. And Miss Cat, Miss Cat, Miss Cat, let me tell you, it is uh, with great honor that I thank you for doing this reading. It's not a oh. dating situation. I just want to know that before you start your reading. Right. It's definitely okay. an association of people who want to uh, be successful. Okay. Can I ask a couple of questions? Yes, ma'am. Why white men and not white women? Because... I what I put in chat is I've I've always been popular all my life so I'm thankful for that and they don't want us to focus on white white women or me as a minority and a woman because we've already got that plugged we want to figure out how do we like how do we get white men to be involved so okay got it I understand yeah. that makes perfect sense I'm just <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out you know does it have something to do with the size of their shoes you know. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, there's all many, many reasons. You know, maybe maybe it's it's a survey of prostate cancer, and women don't get prostate cancer. Okay, no, so, it's not that. So, it's just people who like to hang out, and uh, it's a national thing. So it's definitely we we want the whole country to be involved if we can. All right, so. I'm gonna ask one one more question then. The purpose of this group, is it just for socializing? Is it for social good, for justice, for environmental it's justice? For justice? I love how you're psychic. It's, it's justice. You, you got it. It's for justice. We, we're, okay. we're, we're pro-justice. We just want to promote justice throughout the world. So, Yeah. So I get it because getting white men on board with justice is... Uh, there, there's a deficit in the white men membership in justice organizations. I get what you're saying. All right? Um, and it's not necessarily 
Well, it's not necessarily um, racism in the sense of hatred, but it may be in the sense of enough privilege they don't feel they need to help others. Is that kind of a fair thing to say? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> okay. That's I mean, very I'm not trying point. To... I've never thought about it like that, but that's exactly what it is. Yep. Right. Well, and I'm not trying I mean, I'm not trying to rag on white men. I know there are several white men in the chat right now. And um and <laughs> you know, love y'all, join this group, huh? All right. I'm going to do a reading on this. Well, first card is a bad card. Okay. First card is the five of swords. And this shows a guy, this goes right to what I was saying. This shows a guy um, driving people away on a field of battle. And he's collecting trophy swords. And he's smirking. Ha ha, I've got all the swords. He's kind of a ginger. He's You know, he's kind of a European ginger guy. And one person is walking away crying and dropped their swords, and another one is walking away kind of shrugging. But this guy's already been collecting swords for a long time. So part of the problem here may be identifying it as white men, because once you identify it, you yourself will build up, and I know I can, build up a little head of steam against them why would you want them to join if they have so much privilege so this card says this struggle has been going on for a long time and it cannot be solved right away it shows storm clouds it shows white caps on the water it's a difficult card and it says maybe part of the problem is the oppositional nature of that so uh-huh. um you know there's there is something there that they may may already have all the swords they need. Do you know what I'm saying? They're going, I don't need yeah. what do I need to join that for? It's a it's a difficult card and it also tells me that it because it's so oppositional that you may want to reframe your goal. Um, interesting. Yeah. The second the second card ooh, I like this one. Second card shows a guy who is a gardener or a farmer. He's growing crops. It's called the Seven of Pentacles. And he has a big bush with seven big pentacles, and he has one little bush with one pentacle. And he's been chopping out weeds, and here he is with this, um, you know, doing this. He doesn't ever kill out the little one. So what this tells me is they may never become the majority, but you must not overlook them. Bring them along. They may not produce as much fruit, you see, as your other members, but make a welcome for them. Keep the weeds away from them. Keep them well-tended and well-watered, and they'll do the best they can. This is a card that if you were asking about money, I'd say you might need a second job. If you were asking about... (laughs) Yeah, that's what I would say. If you were asking about love, I'd say build up all your friendships, but there's somebody who you may not know much about who still is going to be good for you. But you don't uh-huh. throw away anybody. This is don't don't you know, don't let them go. Be make be welcoming to them. Keep them just as well-weeded and well-watered as your majority group. Uh-huh. And the third card, in other words, Make them feel really welcome. And the other thing about the pentacle card here is show yourself to be a gardener as opposed to a a, a soldier like in the first card. Show yourself yeah. to be doing humanitarian things 
uh, don't always, when talking about justice, the big problem is becoming outraged at injustice. And you can always get uh-huh. a certain number of people who will go whole hog, full ham for that. Injustice, we must, you know, but there's other people who are a little bit more tender and you need to bring them along a little more gently. And what you say is, look, look at this wonderful justice thing we did. And they go, oh, I'd like to join you guys. You guys do good. So this Pentacles is really also about accomplishment and not about oppositional work. Third card yeah. third card is an interesting card to me because it says you may want to do your plan is good um but you may want to um uh, do some recruitment this is called the 3 of pentacles and it's about building a church and it's uh, again a pentacle card and we have three people and you might want to recruit people here. So you have a kind of a leader, that's the monk. You have an architect, someone with a plan, could be social media plan, could be plan for chapters of an organization, could be plan for meetings, whatever that is. And then you have this worker who's um, uh, working with a hammer and chisel to build the thing. You might want to recruit people who will be workers in the group. And mm-hmm. we'll try to bring in people, say, what we need, we have a plan to get more members from diverse genders and skin colors, right? We want mm-hmm. you, you guys, to go out and recruit them. Delegate some authority, delegate some responsibility, and let people sort of think about that. One of the things I read a number of years ago is that most black people in America have 11 white friends. And if you just took the average, no, this is true. If you just took the average of all black people in America and they tell you how many white friends they have, the average is 11. Then if you take all the white people in America and ask how many black friends they have, the average is one. Mm -hmm. So... That's because there's a ton of shit of them who have zero black friends, right? <laughs> so what what we got to do is tell people that say, well, go 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 get some more go get some more white friends, right? And um, uh-huh. because the way to get people to join the organization here is to get them on the team, is what this is. So that's my reading. Um, let's turn this over. I'm I'm sorry I, I ran long here. Let's turn this over to Brother Christopher. Okay. Um, so the first card I pulled was the Jack of Diamonds, which to me represents huh. a young entrepreneur. And in my experience and knowledge about playing cards is that diamonds, they usually depict the man with blonde hair. So that to me, that sort of indicates, again, like a white man. But in this case, it's a young white man. And you might also have more success if you focus on a younger demographic because Uh it seems to indicate that the younger demographic is more interested in justice and, you know, crossing and reaching into and trying to reach out to parties and people who have injustice than the older ones more often. Uh And then the next card that I pulled was the Two of Diamonds, 
which to me indicates sort of like a partnership of two people who have resources that if they can come to an agreement and thus be able to share and mix those resources together for the betterment of both of them. Um, and so there's something that your group has that if you put that forward as like an offer, like if you come join our group, you know, we have access to information or, you know, research or, um, you know, certain groups of people that you may not be usually capable of accessing or know how to access. And if you come to us, we can give you, you know, this contact if you come to us and give us, you know, membership and participation and, you know, working with us to achieve our goals. However, the last card I pulled was the Ace of Spades, which is, I think Colin Parlance pulled the Death card. Um, it is by itself, so, you know, it's not a bad, bad thing, but I feel like there will still be some sort of difficulty in adjusting and um, just courting this demographic overall and yeah. trying to get them to join in and sign up and want to be part of it just based upon the way things are right now. Maybe it's like a, an environment or not. Yeah, like just sort of the general social environment of things right now with everybody just being like polarization is what gets people's attention right now. People have a really hard stance on this and a hard stance on that, and everybody just wants to fight, carry on, and say that I'm right and you're wrong and my way or the highway, and there's no nuance or grace. And so some of these people that you're trying to recruit, you know, they may come in with that attitude, um, and it can just be, can be a little bit or a lot bit chaotic trying to bring them in and integrate and get them to be on board with the goals that your organization wants to achieve. So beware of that. Mm. Thank you, Brother Christopher. You're welcome. That was good. All right. Let's turn this over to Contraman, and he's going to do some root work. I think you've received some really good advice here. Uh, I do want to emphasize and reiterate the idea of young gay men. I mean, young men are going to be very useful here, but I wanted to add that gay men can also be particularly helpful in recruiting as are trans men. These are all right. people that can be. These are all very good. Really yeah, Jack of Diamonds. Thank you, yeah, these are allies Sorry, that, that you should be calling upon. Yeah, so when we t look at white men, we can break them down into further uh, demographics, right? We can break them down into young men, which was already mentioned, gay men, which should be mentioned, and trans men, which should be mentioned as well. These are three allied demographics that you should be looking into when you're thinking about justice because they are allies in justice uh, and will often work uh, in a sort of intersectional fashion, some of them strongest supporters against anti-racism are going to be white gay men, right? So you, or, or you'll find allies in that regard. So if you're looking for men, you know, break it down even further. All right, we want to attract white men. We also want to attract uh, white gay men. We want to attract young men. And we want to attract 
transmit. Like that's that's how I want you to think about this as multiple demographics within that umbrella of white men that you can call upon as allies. First, start off with a prayer network if you can get it. You and your allies working and praying together at the same time every day is going to be incredibly powerful. Any type of justice work that is grounded in prayer will always have victory. So prayer network is good. Then I would recommend if you and some allies, so I don't want you to do this just by yourself, if you can recruit a couple who will do this work alongside you, it'll be incredibly strong because you're working at a, at a national network. Working by yourself, you can, you're working by yourself, you can attract some attention, but you need more. If there's more people working, then the network itself will thrive. I want you to get, all of you to get a large lodestone and underneath this place the names of the people you are interested in drawing to your network or the characteristics of the people you want to draw to your network. So you can literally just write white men, uh, young men, gay men, trans men, etc. Place that underneath the lodestone along with the logo of whatever your association is or whatever your group is. It should have a name, it should have an association, something that shall be placed underneath that lodestone. You are then going to put next to it a white vigil candle that you've addressed with attraction oil, and you're going to keep that going, and you're going to burn in front of this black tobacco so that it draws to you whoever these people are long distance. Black tobacco has a great way of compelling people over long distance. It's usually used in communication work, but can be used here. You're going to feed that magnetic sand for nine days. For nine days, you're going to feed that magnetic magnetic sand to the lodestone, praying over it, burning the incense to draw these people to you. On the ninth day, you're going to take some of the magnetic sand hairs that are on that lodestone, and you're going to go to three places to sprinkle it. You're going to sprinkle it at a white church, at a crossroads where people will walk through, so a very busy crossroads or intersection, and at City Hall. You're going to sprinkle the lodestone at those three places. You will repeat this process every time the moon is waxing. Burn another candle, burn down more incense, feed that magnetic sand to the lodestone, and then on the ninth day, go and sprinkle the lodestone grit, the lodestone hairs, the magnetic sand hairs at those three locations. You repeat this, and over time, you will build that power. Now, make sure that you have some practical uh, consideration, that you have a public presence, a website, social media itself, and that you do some outreach to these different demographics. You should be uh, reaching out to youth centers. You should be reaching out to the local chapter, uh, the justice chapter of the LGBTQ movement, right? Find, find gay men that are doing similar work that you are and reach out to them. Find allied associations and alliances and tap into them. And if you do this, you will start to grow. Wow. That's really, really good, Contra Man. And um, I, I, I really think this is perfect. It's just perfect. Uh, Wishing you the best. Yeah, wish you all the best. Okay, now we're going to have our spooky tritone from inner space. LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com.
The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James, Mondays, 4 to 5.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain in syndication, Tuesdays, the Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Deborah Voigt, Tuesdays, 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, in syndication, Thursdays, all-time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Brother Christopher of RuneWorker.com and Caleb. Take it away, Brother Christopher. Thank you, Reverend James. And so on the topic of bottle and jar spells, I have three bottle spells or three jar spells for you to choose from. The first one is a bottle spell to draw customers to a business. And for this, you're going to need a, either a bottle or a jar, seven mercury dimes, some yellow dock root, some sassafras root, and some white cologne. And very simply, you're going to take the bottle and put seven mercury dimes inside and a pinch of yellow dock and a pinch of sassafras into the bottle, and then cover it all with Hoyt's cologne and close the container. And while you shake it, read read aloud Psalm 145. And then keep the bottle by or in the cash drawer or where you do most of the work for your business such as if you work from home or you work on your computer, you have an online shop, you can keep the bottle there at your desk. The next one is a sour freezer jar to cut a false friend out of your life. And for this, you're going to need vinegar, um, the juice of a lemon or a lime, a piece of paper, scissors, and, of course, a bottle or a jar. Take the piece of paper and fold it in half, and on one side, write your name, and on the other side, write the other person's name. Cut the paper in half, and as you do so, say, cut apart and asunder, cut away above and under. Broken this connection be, now severed, I am free. And then set your name aside. Place the enemy's name into the jar and cover it in vinegar and the juice of the lemons or limes, and then seal the jar and say, As the sun sinks below the rim, as the moon wanes to dim, turn the cosmic wheels of time and thought, and this connection fades to naught, and then place the jar in the freezer. And then the last bottle is a a simple bottle spell for power and mastery and favor, and it's kind of a riff on one that I read in Bottle Up and Go by Catherine Ironwood and Lara Rivera, and this uses uh, a bottle whiskey, Blowing squares or balls and a small piece of John the Conqueror root or Queen Elizabeth root or a Black Samson root or a Master root. And you're going to take the bottle of whiskey and crush up some of the bluing and add that to the bottle that the whiskey came in. And then add a pinch of the selected root to the bottle of the whiskey. And then close the bottle and shake it while praying the Lord's Prayer. And you're going to do this for seven days. And then afterwards, you can use the witch key to anoint yourself, either on your head and your chest, to bring power and strength and favor when you need it. And if you need help with intellectual pursuits or to gain favor from people over you, anoint your head. 
And if you need help with physical pursuits or to gain favor with equals or people under you, you should anoint your check. And that's all. Wow. Those are really mm, cool. That is really cool. Very yeah. cool. Um, I would say one other thing too about the about the the bluing one. If you need power to uh, for the use of your hands or talents or skills, you can bless your hands, anoint your hands. And if you wanted to be moving to a new place, maybe get a promotion or maybe move to a new town, anoint your feet. That's a really really good way to use that stuff. And you can also use it in a bath if you had to, if you want to. Just saying. (laughs) Those are so, so fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Do you have anything to add, Contraman? No, I love this way of working. And I love that you gave us multiple uh, jar spells just as a reminder of how many different ways you can work with jars and bottles? Because I think a lot of times the the, the dominance of the honey jar is kind of mm-hmm. overshadows all everything. And don't get me wrong, I love honey jars; they're great. But but looking at the variety of different ways here of, of working is really really crucial. So I love this way. I love these spells. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. You you really uh, every time you come on our show, you're so good with um, designing spells. I have to remember that about you. Um, you know, it's, um, it's um, oh, Dr. Sweet says in the chat, I don't see bluing balls around in the stores anymore. We don't either. And, um, yeah, they seem to be gone. And I'm going to say something about that. They used to be available as squares. Squares came first before the balls. And the balls were being made in um, by um, Latino workers, mostly in New York. The source of all bluing balls that I ever knew about was from New York City. I never saw them come anywhere else. I never saw them coming from Mexico, although they often came with Spanish-language wrappers on them. Uh, if anyone knows any different, um, you know, you could buy them out of L.A., but they came from New York. I'm just telling because I know. And I believe that the company that had some person out there sitting there with, with I hope, some gloves on and not getting blue all over their hands, they were all rolled by hand. I think that person is gone. Um, uh-huh. And I just don't think that, that that those blue balls are there anymore. The liquid bluing is a little different. It's okay to use, but you can't use it the same way you can use hard bluing. And I'm just going to quickly say something about that. The use of hard bluing, squares or balls, is in place of bluestone, which is copper sulfate. And so um, the anneal just means aniline dye. The first aniline dye is blue. It just means it, it doesn't mean bluestone. Um, they can call it that. But bluestone is copper sulfate. It is super, super, super toxic. Do not use it, <laughs> please. You can you can buy it. It's used to kill funguses, and you know you can kill all the fish in your pond with it if you want to. So be careful with that stuff. But um, anneal just means dye, blue dye. Okay, so be careful. And I prefer the squares because at least you can break them up and use them in a mojo bag. 
Okay. Well, that was a little digression. Thanks for the thanks for the question and bringing it up. All right. There's our music. So we're going to turn this on over to fabulous Reverend James. Thank you, Miss Cat and Conjure Man, and thank you, Brother Christopher of RuneWorker.com in California for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when, from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, will be John St. Germain of JohnStGermain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjureman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Reverend James, joining you from folkconjure.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show dot html. From all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at this same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Reverend James. All right. Well, I don't have much news to report today on uh, upcoming things other than that uh, i got to give a big shout-out to Nagashiva. He is working as hard as he can getting together new web page information about our new uh, small bags, coffee bags of... Um, of bulk herb mixes and uh, they are coming your way but we've got to get them in the database on the web and just multiple websites go Shiva and you'll all see them coming up soon and I guess the other thing that's happening I just want to remind people uh, MISC Missionary Independent is pulling it together with candle readings (laughs) so be part of that wave that overwhelms us with more candle readings because we need them. Um, we are working very hard to get candle reading back on track, and we are pretty much back on track as far as product making. So not not a long wait for products from our shop. And for those who are waiting for Hurricane Hillary, good luck. I wish you all the best. Good night. <laughs> good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.